it's just a joy to get to share God's story with you, to share the story of Jesus with you. Um, so I hope that you've taken notes. Um, I want to preach on a word surrounding this topic. I'm just going to call it give your attention. Give your attention. Somebody say give your attention. Um, an interesting note, this is the last sermon of 2021. It was my first sermon as a 30-year-old. Yeah. So if you haven't gotten your birthday present to me yet, you can give it to me in cash after the service. No, no, I'm kidding. Don't do that, please. That was a joke. Anyways, um, thanks for being here, by the way. If you're watching online or if you're uh, with us for the first time, can we, just, can we just give it up for our visitors or anybody joining us online? I want to welcome you. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray and then we'll jump right in. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. God, we, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you're doing. God, I thank you for your presence. We thank you, Jesus, that you are just so, so good to us. God, so often we, we miss it, and that's okay, but God, I pray that you would just continue to reveal as we step into the new year how good you are to us. God, all the things that you do that we don't see. God, there's so much wonder in what you do, but I'd even say, God, there's so much wonder in what you don't do. Um, and, and God, I pray that in 2022, we would see all of these things. God, we would get new revelation of your love for us. God, we get new revelation of your power. God, we get new revelation of your goodness and your faithfulness and your trustworthiness and your consistency. God, you are the same today, yesterday, and forever. And we praise you. God, we love you. I just pray, God, you would help me Help me communicate today. Make my tongue like the pen of a ready writer. Like I always say, Holy Spirit, I just ask for your anointing to come. In Jesus' mighty name, amen? Amen. amen. Let's say amen one more time. Amen. It just feels right. It just feels right. So like I said, I want to take some time today as we step out of 2021, just step into 2022. I want to take some time today and talk about um, attention. I want to take some time today and, and look at what Jesus has to say about our attention. Um, I'm hoping and I'm believing that by the time we leave here, we're going to know that our attention is a lot more important than we give it credit. That our attention, what we give our attention to is actually really important. And so I'm going to ask this really simple question today. What has your attention? As you step into 2022, what are you giving your attention to? As, you, as we step into the new year, what has captured you? What has gotten your attention? What's grabbed hold of you and said, hey, focus on me. Look at me. Give me your attention. Because can I tell you right now, we, we live in a world that is constantly vying for our attention, is it not? Right? We live in this world and there are thousands, hundreds, thousands of things every single day that all want our attention. They want to grab hold of us and say, hey, look at me, focus on me, think about me. I'm scary, I'm fearful, or even I'm encouraging, I'm, I'm exciting. There's just all kinds of things that grab hold of our attention. I don't know how often we actually stop to think about that. So what I want to do today is I want to take, as a church, I want to stop and look inwardly and just ask that simple question. Can we do that? I'm going to try to help you do that, but I'm, I'm also doing that. This message is, is for me as much as it's for you, by the way. But I'm going to look inside and ask, God, what has my attention and what do you have to say about your attention? Because when we look at our world, we know that there's a lot of things that want our attention. Our kids want our attention, right? Who's got the kid that says mom 18 times before you say what? I see up there, right there, okay. That was me, by the way. If my mom's watching, I love you and I'm sorry. Um, but... You know, how many, like our, our spouse needs our attention, right? Our, our friends need our attention. Work needs our attention. Social media takes our attention. Um, and then we step into the new year. We've got goals and plans and we have it's all these places. And what happens so often is 
Have you, have you ever felt like I, you just can't do the right thing because your attention has to go in so many places? You feel like I can't ever get my attention in the right place because there's so many places that it needs to go. I don't know about you, but I, I've, I've felt that way before. I felt like I feel like I can never do the right thing. I feel like I can never do enough. I feel like once I find, I get this down, then I got, there's like eight more things I got I to gotta do and accomplish. And, and what does Jesus have to say about our attention? I want to go to Matthew chapter six today, and I want to look and see what he has to say and believing that it's going to help us. We're going to leave here better than when we came in. Amen? You guys going to help me preach today? Okay. It's only as good as you respond, so. No, I'm, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. This is what Jesus says. This is what he says. He says, give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. Don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. I remember one of my my favorite things my dad would say is, and maybe you say it too, but it's a really common phrase, but he said, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Like, dad, I'm so worried about this. How's this going to work out? What's this going to be like? And he'd always tell me, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. I find myself saying it kind of often. I'm like, like you know, we're, we're in something and, and Lisa's like, I don't know how this is going to work out. Well, we'll deal with that when the time comes. And there's something about Jesus, about what he's saying about our attention. He's, he's saying, I want you to worry about tomorrow. I don't want you to worry about the future. What I want you to do is give your attention to God, everything you have to give him to it right now. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about the next day, but actually just stop and give God your full attention. I wonder what our lives would be like if we could honestly do that. You know what I mean? All the things that we walk through, all the things happening in our world, all the things happening in your family, all the things happening at your job, all the things happening with your friends or or on social media, if we could stop and rather than giving our attention to the circumstance, rather than giving our attention to the storm, rather than giving our attention to the outward things that are happening to us, we'd stop and actually give our attention to what God is doing in them. Can Can I say it this way? Isn't that what worship is? Isn't that what worship is when we come together or you, you worship by yourself? We stop for a moment and we say, God, what are you doing? God, I know that this is what I see. We sang that song today that it may look like I'm surrounded, but really in all reality, you are surrounding my enemies. And there's a moment in worship where that happens and that takes place where we stop and we go, God, I know this is what I see, but I'm wondering if I could stop and ask, what are you doing in this thing? What are you doing in the circumstance? What are you doing in the difficult times? That's... That's what worship kind of is, isn't it? It's much more than that, but that's a part of worship. It's to stop and give God your full attention. I look at the early church in the book of Acts, and you, you, if you, as you read through the book of Acts, you see that as every time the church was scattered, every time some catastrophic, catastrophic event happened and it caused the church to go to new places, they never lost their attention on God. They always gave their attention back to God. Why? Because they knew God was doing something amazing, even though it looked like everything was going downhill. They knew that God was up to something. They knew that God knew what he was doing. They knew that God had a plan and a purpose for everything they were walking through. I wonder in 2022, if you and me can have that same perspective, can have that same outlook, we could stop and say, I know this looks bad, but what is God doing in this thing right now? I wonder what would change inside of us as we give God our attention. And so what I want to do today is I want to look at this, this, this famous sermon by Jesus called the Sermon on the Mount. You've probably heard it before, but it's really... Um, it's really interesting because what, where we're, where we're going to start is at kind of the end. I want to start at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, and that's really the result that we want. Can anybody say, I want to be a person that gives my entire attention to God? 
Can we agree on that at least? Okay, most of us, cool. I want to be a person, even if you don't, I want to be a person in 2022 that no matter what's going on, I want to give God my full attention in 2022 and 2023, and 2024, and so on, right? It's like, this never really stops. It's not really just in the new year, but it's always about that. But I wanna, I wanna point out something. It's really fascinating as we're gonna read through these, uh, these scriptures in the Sermon on the Mount and the words of Jesus. All the times that Jesus says, uh, he says, look and see and eyes. Look, see, and eyes. And it speaks to this, this, this perspective. It's all about our attention. Where are you looking? What are you seeing? What are you looking at with your eyes? So we're going to start at the end, and I'm going to work our kind of our way backwards through the Sermon on the Mount. And what does Jesus have to say? I've got three observations for you today. Um, I want to work with our goals in mind. Again, I, I feel like you should have some goals in 2022. I want to be, I want to be a better husband in 2022. I want to be a better friend in 2022. I want to be a better pastor. I want to be a better coworker. I, I, I want to be better in 2022. I want to grow. Anybody want to grow? Okay, cool. It's like, anybody want pizza? Yeah, yeah. I want, like, I, that's, that's, that's how you preach. You just ask the obvious questions and everybody says, amen. And you're like, yeah, that's great. <laughs> Let's pray and go home. It's awesome. So like, I'm hoping you want to grow. I want to, I still want to dunk a basketball. Okay. You know, it's, me and Steven right here, we're, that's our goal in 22 to dunk a basketball. And the fact that I have not yet dunked means you have stopped praying for me. And I need you to continue to pray, okay? Knock, seek, ask. I need to dunk, okay? So preferably on Stephen, like that would be great. Okay, we're, <laughs> I need to focus, right? <laughs> so I have, I have physical goals, but I also have internal goals. I, I want my soul to be healthier than it's ever been. I want my heart to be healthier than it's ever been. I, I want my mind to be healthier than it's ever been. And I'm just wondering, maybe in order to see those things come to pass, we can ask this simple question today. What has got your attention? Leads me to my first point. If you're taking notes, you can write this down, that your attention determines your direction. Your attention determines your direction. Let me read to you in Matthew 6, 22 through 23. Your eyes are the windows into your body. Your eyes are the windows into your body. If you open your eyes wide in wonder and belief, your body will fill up with light. If you live squinty-eyed in greed and distrust, your body is like a dank cellar. Speaks of dark and cold and wet. It's unhealthy. It says if you pull the blinds on your windows, what a dark life you will have. What's one of the goals as Jesus followers? It's, to, it's that God's light would get on the inside of us. Amen? It's that, what does Jesus say? He says, I am the light of the world, but then later he'll say, you are the light of the world. And that's our goal as we walk with Jesus, that we are allowing him to come on the inside of us. This word light, it speaks of generosity. And we know generosity doesn't just have to do with money. Generosity has to do with a lifestyle. And I want to be a person who is generous with my life, who's generous with my light, who's generous with my money, who's generous with my time, who's generous with my resources and my energy and even my encouragement, right? We want to be generous people. And the Bible says, Jesus says, as we open our eyes, in other words, the way you look, what you give your attention to, your perspective is actually going to affect what's happening on the inside of you. The way you see the world is affecting who you are on the inside, because then he contrasts and he says, if you, if you live squinty-eyed with greed and distrust and selfishness, that your body, it, it, essentially, it can't receive the light that's trying to come into you. 
God wants to get light into you. God wants to make you in the image of his son. God wants to transform you not into a better version of yourself in 2022. He wants to transform you into the image of his son. And in order to do that, he's got to get some light into you. So I wonder what could our perspective be? We could open our eyes up with wide, with wonder and belief. I'm in wonder of God. I'm in awe of God. I'm in awe of what he's doing. I'm in awe of who he is. I I just believe for great things. I believe the best is yet to come. I believe that he's working and he's doing things and he's up to something and he has a plan and he has a purpose. Even when I can't see it, even when I can't feel it, God is working and my eyes are open wide with wonder and belief. And all of a sudden his light begins to flood on the inside of me and it changes my selfish nature. It changes my, my me, me, me nature. And it turns me to push outwardly and start to give generously. I want my life to be generous. I want my life and my love and my light to be a generous one, not one that's dark and, and, and cold and damp. And it's not a place where anybody wants to come. Can you imagine walking into a house? You know, when you go into a house and it's cold, you're like, can you turn the heater on? You know what light does? What does the sun do? It warms. It warms. I want to I I be a place, a temple that is warm. It's not cold and dark, but it's light and warm. Amen. But Jesus, he, he tells us this principle that where you look, it's determining the direction of your life. You know, I was thinking about when I was learning to drive. Do you remember learning to drive? Some of you were four when you learned to drive. This thing is falling off me. Some of you were four. You learned, you know, you learned on the tractor. Anybody like that? Okay. These are some awesome people. I don't know how tall you have to be at four to get the tractor going. Is that far away? I don't know. Um, I learned to drive when I was 16. And really unusual, I understand, which just means that I've had 14 years of road rage and anger, um, but I'm believing I'm going to get better in 2022, amen? Okay, cool. Don't judge me. This is my journey, all right? Um, but you know when you were learning to drive, like when you were first learning to drive and you were like super intentional, right? You, you had to get all the steps down and you, you knew all the book, like the book in driver's ed. And, but now, nowadays, you know, you've been driving for 15, 20, 30 years. You're like, you don't do any of that stuff anymore, you're just like, we just got to get to where we're going. It doesn't matter how we get there as long as we get there, okay? But like, I remember learning how to drive and getting on I-90 for the first time and how like stressful that was, getting on I-90 for the first time. And I remember when you're going to go change lanes, if you remember the, the steps are, and I might get this wrong because it's just, you know, it's been a while. I'm getting old, guys. I'm 30. Um, wait, what? You don't think I'm old? Thank you encourages me. Anyways, so you, right, it's, you change lanes, you go mirror, signal, look over the shoulder, mirror one more time, and then you go, right? Nobody knows. It's great. It's awesome. It's just something like that. It's just something like that. We don't really know, um, but I'm pretty sure that's it. There's even like a, like a, like a word for it. It's like something like that. And anyways, um, so you do that, and, and, but I remember, the, I remember like when I would go to do it, I would always like skip the, the look over my shoulder. Because I felt like if I would look in that way, I would start to drift in the direction. And, and, and I remember having to overcome that. Like, like Because there's just something innate within us that when we look a certain way, our body just kind of goes that way. You know what I mean? I, was, I, I had already wrote this, written this sermon. I was thinking about it at the gym. I was walking on the treadmill. And I was like, you know, I want to try this out. And so I was like, what would happen if I'm like, walking and you like look over your shoulder? So I started looking over my shoulder and I would, like, and I would look back and I would be like about to fall off. And I'm like, maybe the other way, maybe my left way will be better. And, and the same result, I almost fall off. And I tried like closing my eyes. Have you ever, 
this is not good. I woke, I, I opened my eyes and I'm like about to be off the treadmill. Um, I don't recommend it. And I, of course I looked up and there's a nice lady staring at me like, what are you doing? And I was like, listen, I'm a pastor and I'm just <laughs> getting ready. I don't know. So I get lost at the gym sometimes, but, um, you got to make the treadmill fun because it just gets so boring. But I realized, right, it's just, a, it's just a simple principle of life, right? If you're going to throw a ball, you want to look where you're throwing. If you're going to shoot a basket, you, you want to look at the rim when you shoot, right? If, if you want to go somewhere, you should probably look that direction unless you're Patrick Mahomes, you know, and you can do the no. But we're not Patrick Mahomes. Our, our natural response is to go where we look. And Jesus lays out this principle that that's not just physical. It's actually spiritual that where you are looking, the way you are looking is going to determine the outcome of your life. It's going to determine the direction of your life. It's going to determine where you end up in life. And I wonder what you're looking at. I wonder what's got your attention. Is it the news that's got your attention? Is it fear that's got your attention? Is it, is it, is it social media that's got your attention and you're always just trying to, or is it this place where we can stop and go, I want to give God my entire attention? Because God knows something that if we give him our attention, we'll start to walk towards him. And as we walk towards him, we'll become like him. And in fact, I, I love Romans 12 too. You know, it says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, right? I love how the message puts this. It's so good. It says this, don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit in without even thinking. See, so we have a lot of people that walk through life aimlessly. We walk through life really not thinking. We walk through life just kind of, you know, whatever happens, happens. And we have like this superstitious view of how the future happens. Like we're just going to accidentally kind of end up where God wants us to be. But it's not true. Actually, you have to think about where you're going. You have to pay attention to what you're paying attention to. You got to think about what you're thinking about. You actually have to look where you're going. Because then the writer goes on and he says, instead, fix your attention on God and you'll be changed from the inside out. Can I tell you that you're not going to become who God's called you to be on accident? Rather, you're going to become who God has called you to be on purpose. You actually have to make a decision in the new year to say, I'm going to change what I'm giving my attention to. I'm going to change what I'm giving my priorities to. I'm going to change what I'm giving my time and my energy and all my effort into. I'm going to change it to God because I want to become who God has called me to be. And what does he say? He says, I don't want you to worry about all the other stuff. And another translation, he says, all the stuff you're worried about, it'll be added to you when you just decide to put your attention on God. Going on. He says in Matthew 6, I want to read verses 1, verses 5, and verses 16. He says this, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Verse 5, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. Verse 16, And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. And truly I say to you, they will have their, they have received their reward. So here Jesus gives us three different scenarios. When you do good works, when you pray and when you fast, I don't want you to do it in order to be seen by others. Yeah, and don't put the scripture up there yet, but in Matthew 5, in Matthew 5, he says kind of the opposite. It's really interesting. He says in Matthew 5, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So, which is it, Jesus, right? Because in one, in one scenario, he says, 
I want you to let your light shine in front of other people so that they can see your good works. And in turn, they're going to give glory to your Father in heaven. And in the next chapter, which I will say is the same sermon, by the way, Jesus says, when you do, when you fast and when you do good works and when you pray, don't do it so that anybody would see you. Do it in secret. Do it in private. Don't let anybody see it. So what is Jesus trying to say? Well, I want to read Matthew 5, 14 through 16 in the Passion Translation because it kind of opens up what he's really saying. By the way, if you're ever reading the Bible and you're like, hang on, this is kind of contradicting itself. Can I tell you, the Bible does not contradict itself. You just need better insight. You just need context. You just need a better understanding of what Jesus is saying. So you can ask somebody, by the way. You don't have to just read the Bible and be like, okay, I need to understand it by myself. But you can actually do community and say, hey, what does this mean? Because I don't get this. I encourage you to do that. But this is what it says. Your lives light up the world. Let others see your light from a distance. How can you hide a city on, that stands on a hilltop? And who would light a lamp and then hide it in an obscure place? Instead, it's a place where everyone in the house can benefit from its light. So don't hide your light. Let it shine brightly before others so that the commendable things you do will shine as light upon them. And then they will give praise to your Father in heaven. And here's my second point. The second thing Jesus says about our attention is that we should live to give others attention, not live to draw attention to ourselves. And really, I, I could show you time and time and time and time again where Jesus says this and Paul says this and throughout the New Testament this is stated that our job in community is never to elbow our way to the top, to make sure I'm in the spotlight, to make sure that I am seen in front of people. It's always to shine light onto other people. That your job as a Christian, your job as a Jesus follower is not to say, hey, look at me. Hey, everybody. I know this is ironic because I'm on stage and you're literally looking at me. But like, hey, look at me. I'm amazing. I'm awesome. I'm so spiritual. You know what I did this morning? I prayed for five hours. I'm incredible. It's great. Actually, you know what I did last, you know, for the last two months, I've been fasting for two months. Oh, it's, it's a struggle. It's a struggle, man. It's a struggle. Yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm persevering. I'm pushing on. And yet, I find as Christians, we do, I'm guilty of this. You're guilty of this. We do this oftentimes. And I'm going to explain why in just a moment. But Jesus makes it very clear that we are not to draw attention to ourselves, but rather we are to use the light that he's given us to shine it on other people. Saying, hey, you know so-and-so? They're amazing. Have you heard of so-and-so? Have you seen what they're doing? Have you seen what they're accomplishing? Have you seen, oh my gosh, they're amazing. They're incredible. They're beautiful. They are creative. They're, they are awesome. In fact, I just want to lift you. I want to encourage you. That's what you're called to do. When somebody's hurting, what's our response? To shine light on them. To shine warmth on them. To shine love on them. To shine generosity on them. When somebody's in pain and somebody's hurting, it's not to, to look the other way because we feel awkward. No, no, no. We go and we go out of our way to shine even more light on that person. This is what Jesus has called us to do. It's what he's called us to live. And I started thinking about this and I was like, it sounds really great, Jesus. That'll probably get a couple amens. But can I be honest? It's so much easier said than done. In fact, I said this in the first service, it's really easy to preach. Another thing to do. It is so easy for me to get up here and be like, hey, you should live your life to draw attention to others and not yourself. Now go do it. Amen. Let's pray. It's easy to say. It's a whole other thing to do. Why? Why is it so difficult to do? Well, because if you've studied science at all, you know that, 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 that attention is not a luxury need. Attention is not this excessive need. Did you know attention is actually a basic human need? 
The first service didn't like this, by the way, but I'm just going to give it to you anyways. See, I, and I think, I think that, I think because the struggle is like, oh, I don't need attention. I'm fine. I, I, and so there's a wrestle, but at some points in your life, you get to places where you're like, nobody sees me. Nobody sees what I'm doing. I feel unheard. I feel unseen. I feel undervalued. I feel unloved. I feel like my, I've just, I've gotten pushed to the back seat. Because why, why? And maybe it's different for, there's different levels for each of us. So maybe you, you really connect with this or maybe you really don't at all. But I'm telling you, innate within, on the inside of you, you have a basic need to be seen, to get attention. And so there was a study, there was a study in the 13th century, this guy named King Frederick. You, maybe you heard this before, but he tried to figure out what language would babies speak if they were never spoken to. That's interesting. I don't know, would they speak Chinese? Would they speak Russian? Would they speak Spanish? Obviously not. They turn Goo Goo Gaga into like a language. Like what would they create? What would these babies make if they never learned the language, if they were never spoken to? And so what he did in one section of, or, of an orphanage, he said, I don't want you to speak to these babies. You can do everything else, but just don't speak to them. Well, the, the experiment ended up failing because these babies actually didn't live. These babies actually died. In other words, because they did not get the attention that they needed, all their other needs were met, but because they didn't get the attention that, that they were needed, they didn't even live. I mean, I even think of my, my, my dogs. My dogs need attention, right? Like, like, I, like when I give my new puppy too much attention, my other puppy's like, like, what about me? At least that's what I think. I'm like, you're pretty too. You know, you got a petter. But like, even, even dogs need attention. If you just like totally ignore, like some things start to go wrong. And it's really interesting because when we're born, you, you, everybody in here, we could all agree that babies are really good at getting attention, right? And babies don't know much. They know I'm hungry and they know attention and they cry. Something innate within just a human, barely born, attention, I know kids, like we said earlier, that mom, 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 dad, dad, right? We're just good at getting attention. Teenagers are good at getting attention. Somebody said amen. How do I know? I used to be you. How do I know things about babies? I used to be one. Yeah. It's profound. It's no big deal. And then what happens is we we step out of adolescence and into adulthood and we, it, it's no longer socially acceptable to be a person who's like, I need attention, right? And so it's awkward when you're like, I need attention. And, we, and so since we don't know how to do it anymore, we end up doing it in awkward ways. We end up doing it in hurtful ways. We end up doing it in ways that are, that are not healthy because there is something on the inside of us that says, I need to be seen. Yet Jesus tells us that I don't want you to live your life trying to be seen. I don't want you to live your life trying to draw attention to yourself. I want you to live your life drawing attention to other people. And again, sounds great. Sounds awesome, Jesus, but how are we actually supposed to do this? I'm hoping to encourage you today because what I see in our final observation really leads to the whole Sermon on the Mount that if you ever read these chapters, chapters five, six, and seven, and you get to this place where you're like, Jesus, because can I be honest with you? Jesus, at one point in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, you are to be perfect as my Father in heaven is perfect. If you read that and you say, okay, I got this, you missed the point, okay? You 
can't be perfect like your father in heaven is perfect. I'm sorry. Guess what? You already messed up. We have all fallen short of the God's standard. We have all fallen short of God's glorious standard. We're all in sin. And so if you get to this point in the Sermon on the Mount, you were like, Jesus, this sounds impossible. You've actually gotten to a place that he intended you to get to. And that is because Jesus, when he preached this message, his goal was to set a standard that only he could live by so that you would get to a place in your life where you would say, I need a savior. I need a superhero. I need somebody to do this for me. I need somebody to accomplish this for me. All this stuff Jesus is saying, yes, you have to live up to it. But now we have somebody who's lived it for us. And through the sacrifice of Jesus, through receiving his righteousness, I am now by definition justified by faith because of Jesus. Isn't Jesus so good? He set a standard only he could, he could hit. So that he knew, so that you would have to go through him. There is one way to the Father, and it's through Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. You can only get to the Father through me. So if you're still trying to make it on your own, if you're still here, still trying to trying to make God happy and make God proud through your good behavior, can I set you free from religion? Can I ask you and invite you into relationship that Jesus has done it for you? And and what happens is when we start living that and receiving that, what happens? The light comes in. And God begins to change us from the inside out. And I don't look the same I looked in 2020. I don't look the same I looked in 2019. I've actually grown. I've actually gotten better. I've actually become more like Jesus. I'm being sanctified. But guess what? You will never be fully 100% sanctified until you step into heaven and see Jesus face to face. We are on a continual journey that doesn't end. You are in a process. And so I might be further than you. I might be behind you. But we're all in process. We're all becoming like Jesus. We're all being sanctified. I don't even know where I'm going with that, but that was for you. So how is it possible then to live knowing that where I give my attention is going to determine my direction and also that I should live not to draw attention to me, but to give attention to other people? Well, like I said, we're going to work our way backwards through this sermon, and I want you to listen to how the whole sermon starts. Matthew chapter 5, in verse 1, this is what it says. It says, seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. The whole Sermon on the Mount starts with what? Jesus seeing you. Jesus seeing the crowds. Jesus seeing all of these people. So how is it possible to live my life in such a way, to live my life not drawing attention to myself, but giving attention, shining my light on other people by recognizing that Jesus sees me, that Jesus sees you. Can I tell you, God sees you. He sees exactly where you're at. He sees exactly what you're going through. He sees exactly how you feel. He knows how you feel. He sees where you are. And I want you to see this because Jesus says it so many times. In, cha in chapter six, he says, Jesus sees you. God sees you. He knows exactly where you're at. He sees you. The father sees you. He sees you. Look, eyes, see. It's just continues to be the theme. He says in chapter six, verse four, six and 18, three different times. It says, so that your giving may be in secret. Listen to this. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Verse six. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Verse 18. Now when you're fasting, may not be seen by others, but by your father who is in secret 
and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Maybe you feel unseen. Maybe you feel unheard. Maybe you feel unappreciated and undervalued and unloved. Maybe you feel like you're in secret. Maybe you feel like you're in darkness. Can I tell you God is with you? Can I tell you God sees you? Can I tell you all the things that you do that nobody sees? God sees. And I'm telling you what, that can, that can be good news or that can be bad news because you're like, hang on, God sees everything I do. Yeah, he does. But by a revelation of who he really is, that'll set you free. That'll set you free. That God sees everything I've done. He's seen every mistake that I've made. He's seen every screw up and mistake and everything that I've done, yet he still chooses me every single day. He still chooses to use me. He still chooses to push his plans and purpose through me. He still chooses to love me. God sees my life from beginning to end and he decided he would die for me. He decided he would die for you. Jesus sees you. God sees you. See, this principle, it's not just in the Sermon on the Mount, but it's throughout the whole life of Jesus. You look at Jesus and he didn't just see crowds, he saw individuals. He saw the woman caught in adultery. The woman caught in adultery. The woman caught in adultery. And what is his response by the law? She was to be stoned. But Jesus gets down in the dirt with her. He says, I'm going to come and get down on your level, which is a picture of the gospel, that you had no reason to be saved. You had no reason to be let go. You had no reason to walk in freedom. But God decided to come down from heaven and come down to our level and get on our level and get into our dirt and get into our mess and get into our mistakes and say, I'm here and I'm going to love you. And and guess what? Nobody accuses you your accusers are gone they're gone I don't accuse you either Jesus he sees the woman at the well who had had five husbands was living with the sixth guy what's the result she runs back to her town she says you guys you guys got to come meet this man who knows everything about me he sees me like nobody's ever seen me before he knows me he knows me Jesus, he, he sees blind Bartimaeus. Jesus sees the man with the withered hand. He sees, he sees the leper. He sees, he sees the blind man. He sees uh, Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, what was his whole purpose? I'm going to climb up into this tree so that I can see Jesus. Little did he know Jesus was there to see him. For as he approached the tree, he said, I want you to come down, Zacchaeus, because I'm going to eat a meal with you today. I'm going to sit with you today. I've come to be with you. I see you. He leaves the 99 for the one. He saw Peter, even though Peter denied him three times. He, see, he rose from the dead and he said, I want you to go tell my disciples I'm, I'm resurrected, I'm back. And I want you to tell my disciples and Peter. You know what? Tell my disciples would have been, would have been suffice. It would have been enough. But he, he wants to point out Peter. Why? Because Peter's in pain. Because Peter needed a little bit of extra juice. Peter needed a little bit of extra encouragement from Jesus because Jesus saw Peter. And even Judas... Judas, the betrayer of Jesus, right before Judas betrays Jesus, you know the last thing that Jesus said to Judas? He calls him friend. He calls him friend. You might not like that because Judas, you know, what did he do? He betrayed Jesus. But you know, know Jesus loved Judas. Did you know he loved him? So I'd ask, what's your sin? Did you betray Jesus? Did you sell Jesus for 30 pieces of silver? What's your screw up? What's your mess up? What's your mistake? What have you done that you've deemed yourself unlovable and unredeemable and so dark and dirty that you feel like God can't get to you? Can I encourage you, friend? He sees you and he calls you friend. 
Not only that, but Jesus on his way to the cross, the Bible says that there was a joy that was set before him as he went to die for you and die for me so that our sins could be wiped clean. It says there was a joy set before him. That joy, friend, was you and me, that one day we'd see him face to face, that one day we would, we would be in his presence, but even on this earth, we would have eternal access to the Father because of his sacrifice. This is the God who sees us. One of my favorite stories. You guys doing good? Can I give you more? When I look at God throughout the Bible, he's, he's given these names. And all these names, they describe his character. You know, you know like Je- Jehovah Jireh, and that's the only one I know. So just going to, Rafa, help me out. Yeah, that one too. Okay. Um, and, and that other one, it was a good one. And all these names, they, they describe the character of God and they all have these incredible stories of these encounters with God where people encounter God and they were able to give God a name. It's super cool. But one of my favorites is by this woman named Hagar. It's found in Genesis chapter 16. And, and Hagar is the only woman in the whole Bible that gets to give God a name. It's so cool. And Hagar, if you don't know who she is, she is the Egyptian slave to Abraham and Sarah. And I don't have time to get into the story, but, but Abraham and Sarah, they, they get a word from God that they will be the father of many nations, that Sarah will bear a child at 90 years old. I mean, it's, it's, it's like, wow, the only way this happens is God. And so they're waiting and they're waiting and they're waiting and they're waiting and, and they get impatient with God's timing. They get impatient and so they try to force the promise in their own timing. It's another talk for another time. I don't have time. But so they say, well, you can have a baby with Hagar. And, and we're going to get this thing going. We're going to start this process of, uh, of having a baby. And so Abraham does just that. Hagar becomes present, pregnant. She gives birth to Ishmael. And, and throughout life, Sarah begins to get envious. Sarah begins to hate Hagar so much so that she begins to abuse Hagar. So much so that one day Hagar decides, I need to run because my life is in danger. And so Hagar escapes. She runs away. And in the wilderness, she encounters God. And God says this to to Hagar, I see you. Your son is not going to die. Or he says, you're not going to die and your son is going to become a great nation. This is not God's people. This is non-God's people. This is Egyptian. But God still had a plan for Hagar. God still had a plan for Ishmael. And God wanted her to know in the wilderness, in her her darkest moment, in in her most depressive moment, that I see you. And Hagar's response is beautiful. She says, I've seen the one who has seen me. And in this moment, she becomes the only woman who gives God a name, and she names him El Roy, which means the God who sees me. If you couldn't put that together. Can I tell you, he's not just the God who sees the world. He's not just the God who sees crowds. He's not just the God who sees individuals and awesome people of faith and pastors and, 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 your, and your siblings. or He's not just the God who sees your spouse. He's the God who sees you. He's the God who sees me. And I wonder today if we could grab a hold of the revelation. I'm all for your goals and your resolutions and, your, and, your, and, your, and the challenges that are before you that wait in 2022. I'm all for growth. But I'm just wondering today before we do any of that, could we just stop and receive the revelation today that Hagar had that day that we serve the God who sees me. I think one of my favorite Psalms is Psalm 8. It says, when I look in the night sky, I see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you set in place. I have to ask this question, why do you bother with me? 
Another translation says, and then I think, why am I on your mind? Do you know you're on God's mind? Another psalm says, his precious, how precious are your thoughts about me, O God? They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of the sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. You know, I Googled this because that's what I do. I Googled this a long time ago, by the way. And I, I thought to myself, there's got to be somebody who's tried to like calculate how many grains of sand are on the earth. Because we live in 2021, you know. And I don't know how accurate this is, but somebody said, if you, you know, you do this math and that math, you get somewhere around like roughly, it's a very rough number, but somewhere around seven quintillion, 500 quadrillion grains of sand. That's a lot of sand. But I don't know if you noticed, because the psalmist says that his precious thoughts for me outnumber the sand. That God's precious thoughts for you are more than seven quintillion, 500 quadrillion precious thoughts. <laughs> Can I translate that for you? You're always, 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 always on God's mind. And what happens in this moment is when you, when you sit under that truth and you you see who God really is. You get a revelation of who he is, which grows over time. All of a sudden, the value sets upon you because this God of the universe, this God who spoke the sun and the stars and the planets and the moon into existence, this God who spoke, I don't know, just be favorite, like he spoke elephants and lions and bumblebees into existence. He spoke mountains and the Grand Canyon and the ocean into existence. He looks at you and his attention is fixed on you. He sees you. He's in love with you. All these things he holds in his hand and he can't help but be obsessed with you. Because it, it's not just thoughts that God has, it's precious thoughts. God doesn't have negative thoughts about you. God doesn't have angry thoughts about you. God does not have, he doesn't want to punish you. He already poured all that out on Jesus. And now we get to stand in this new covenant with God. And God's thoughts towards you are precious. Can I make this declaration for 2022? I made it in the first time. I want to make it again. If you're a follower of Jesus, gone are the days that we declare with our mouth that we have no value on this earth. Friend, you are so, so stinking valuable. Do you know how valuable you are to God? God said, you're so valuable. I'll give my one and only son so I could have you. God said, you're so valuable. I'll send the only thing that I deem precious to me so I could have you. That's how valuable you are to God. Let me pray for you today. Let me pray for you. So I'm just going to keep talking. God, we love you so much. And I know in this moment, we, we can't even hardly scratch the surface of how valuable we are to you. And I pray, God, if anything, we would move into today and tomorrow with just a revelation, God, that you see us and that your eyes are fixed on us and that your attention's on us and that, God, we're the apple of your eye and you just value us so much. And I pray as the enemy comes and just begins to speak death, he, he comes and he begins to speak, you know, all this condemnation and shame, God, that we would just be overridden by our value in you, the way you see us. And God, we thank you that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so God, the way you see me today, you're going to see me tomorrow. The way you see me tomorrow, you're going to see me forever. 
And I just pray for each and every person in this room right now, God, that they would know how valuable they are to you. That maybe that feels uncomfortable. Maybe the fact that your attention is on us or, or this revelation, this, this, this knowledge that I know as a basic human need, I need attention. Maybe that's uncomfortable. But God, I pray that you would allow it to be uncomfortable. You would allow it to change and alter our hearts, God. You would change us from the inside out as we place our attention on you this year, God. I know that there's a bunch of places we, that our attention can grab hold of, but God, in all of them, God, family and friends and work and social media and New Year's resolutions and the news, God, and bad news and good news, God, all of it, I pray that we would stop and we would make a, a a conscious decision to put all of our attention on what you're doing. I pray for that for every person in this room, every person watching online, that you would cause our hearts to have a shift. Our attention will be on you, Lord. And I'll pray for one more person today and then we're going to hand the mic to Pastor Jeff and we've got something special for you, but I want to pray. I want to give you an opportunity. You're in this room and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. You've never made a decision to make him Lord and Savior of your life. I want you to know if you're watching online, this is for you too. If you're watching later during the week, you're in your car, you're, you're, you're in the bathroom. I don't know where you are. You're in a cafe. Um, I, I just want to know, I want you to know God loves you. God sees you. God wants relationship with you. And if that's you today, I want you to, I want to give you an opportunity to make a decision by just lifting your hands so I can pray for you. So if that's you, you just lift your hand so I can see it and I can pray for you right now in this moment. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Come on. Come on. That's amazing. Come on. Can we give God some praise in this place? Thank you so much, Jesus.